for us, this is a real special week. Our son, Uriah, was born uh, this week. And, uh, you know, when we, we, we take picking names for our children very, very seriously, we, we feel like that uh, your name is the most, probably the most important thing that you're ever given in your life because it, it screams of your identity. And uh, it's interesting how you can find out the meaning of somebody's name and how it really goes along with their personality most of the time. I understand that there uh, can be exceptions to that. And, and we, we see in Scripture where God would actually change the name of people because they, they had a new identity. And, uh, you know, picking names, uh, those of you that are dating or those of you that are uh, having children or planning on getting married one day, you probably already got names picked out for your kids, right? But girls, you probably have those names picked out by the time you're uh, three years old. And uh, us guys, after, you know, five minutes after the baby's born, we tend to think about those type of things. Um, but picking names is important, and so when we picked the name of our son Uriah, first of all, it was really hard for us because we wanted all of our kids to have an ah at the end of their name, which which means of God or or God has, and um, it, it it brings that into the picture. And so when we named our kids, we wanted them all to have that, you know, that thing where the last the ending of their names are the same so our our options were very limited so we don't we don't really search uh for the name that we like we search for the meaning of the name whenever we've named our children we always wanted it because we knew that this was what we would call them for the rest of their life this was the identity that we would speak over them whenever we said their name and so with our son, our newborn son, our first son, we named him Judah because that means the praise of God. And then we said, well, this, our, our new son, we're going to name him Uriah. And we really like the meaning because Uriah means the fire of God or the light of God. Now, you can understand that in Scripture, anytime you have light, it's got to be driven by fire. So it actually means the light of fire. But again, fire in Scripture, you didn't, you didn't have light in Scripture without fire. And so his, his name is Uriah. And we believe that as we speak his name for the rest of his life, whether he's in trouble or he's doing good, that when we say Uriah Cole, that we are saying you are the light of God, that you are the fire of heaven. And so we believe that when we speak someone's name, we are speaking their identity. Are you with me? And uh, so today, I want to take a few moments to talk about that name that is above every name. Come on, that power that is above every power, that identity that is above every identity, that name that makes angels sing and demons flee, that name that heals disease and comforts brokenness, that name that makes the impossible possible, the name of Jesus the cool thing about whenever we speak the name of Jesus, we speak his identity, but we find ours. Come on, are you with me? When you say the name of Jesus, you find who you really are because who you are is lost in the reality of who he is. And the name Jesus wasn't, wasn't really chosen by his parents. They didn't sit around and have a discussion about what is our baby. You know, we know the story of Virgin Mary and, and how when she was, you know, she's not a virgin anymore, but she was a virgin at that point. And uh, that whenever she was found to be with child, she freaked out. They weren't thinking about this. They weren't thinking about naming children. But how many know that Jesus was already named? Come on, are you with me? Through the corridors of time, he is the Alpha and the Omega, and he was before any human was ever created. But what will they give the name 
of this baby. So they didn't have the pressure of coming up with the name. That name was already chosen for him. And we see this in Mary's account in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So they were already together. And it just, they weren't together, but they were together. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, they had it on their Facebook status. We're in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? They, they, were, they were accounted for. And so the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And we might just say this, that when God shows up to speak to you, it's because you're favored. He's not going to waste his time coming to speak to you because you're not favored. If God's speaking to you, it's because there's something on your life. Come on, are you with me? It's not because he's mad at you. It's because he likes you or he would just ignore you. So the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's like, what are you doing here? I'm about to die. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And, and you will be with child and give birth to a son. Now, here's a woman that's a virgin. What? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Later on, when Joseph and I were married, he said, you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will know no end. So here the angel comes to communicate, to tell Mary, this is what his name's going to be. His name's going to be Jesus. He will be a king just like his ancestor David, and he will rule, but his rulership will never, ever end. Isn't it good that the, that the rule and reign of Jesus didn't stop whenever he ascended into heaven, but it's still on the earth now to those that will say yes to it. And then we have Joseph, right? There's another part of the story. We focus so much on Mary, but how I many you know that there's a guy that's like, my girlfriend is pregnant? <laughs> I mean, that's not a good story. And uh, so that's bad news, right? And so, I mean, he sees the Facebook says, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> like, how did that happen? I've got a problem here. So this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to, want to expose her to public disgrace. Hmm? Come on. Let me know the righteous people don't need to expose others. There you go. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Like a good preacher out there, real good. But I won't. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Mom and dad both get the same message. His name's going to be Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will be a child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we have this name 
for Jesus, Emmanuel. What, is, what does that mean? It means God with us. And it doesn't mean that God was with us a little over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. No, it means God is with us permanently. That his rule and reign knows no end. It means that God came to make his dwelling here. It means that he is not far away. It means that he is present. That he's not just on the room, in the room with you on his phone. He's actually present. He is with us. Jesus didn't really come to make the earth his dwelling place. He came to make people his dwelling place. Are you with me? He didn't simply come so that we would have one day a home in heaven, although that's included in the package. But he came so that heaven could have a home on earth. How many are glad that, that we are heaven's home, that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven, that God's rule and reigns, rule and reigns happen through those that have said yes to Jesus? So, because we are the home of God, because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, because we belong to Jesus, and He is Emmanuel, and He is with us, there's a couple of things that we can expect from that. There's, a, there's some good news attached to that. Are you with me? Uh, John 15, Jesus makes a statement. He says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. So, if you will find your home in me, I will find my home in you. you. If you will find your dwelling in me, if you will live the rest of your, the days of your life, if you will invest them in me and say, I want to live in God, God said, I will live in you. This is what Jesus said. So because we've said yes to Jesus, because we've said yes to that invitation, because we've brought Jesus into the home of our life, there's some things that we can expect. Number one, we can expect residing hope. Residing hope. Did you know that hopelessness for the Christian is a lie? It's an illusion. There is no such thing as hopelessness for the Christian because the Christian always has hope because we have hope inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It doesn't leave. It's always there. So when you feel discouraged, when you feel depressed, when you feel hopeless, because you can only feel hopeless, you can't be hopeless. Remind yourself of the greater reality. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's a residing hope. It's a permanent residency. Listen, God is a stay-at-home dad. Come on, he don't have nights and weekends in your life. He's got a permanent dwelling. He didn't, he didn't send Jesus to die for you so that he could have visitation rights. He didn't come to visit. We pray that sometimes, don't we? Lord, would you just visit? And I know what we're saying when we say that, but he doesn't want a place to visit. He wants a place to live. And it's a permanent dwelling that he has made. And he has said that he will never leave us or forsake us. Before Jesus came, God was far away. But when Jesus came, God said, I'm Emmanuel. I am with you. I am not just among you. I am in you. You are mine, and I am yours. 
Isn't it good to know that God is ours? He's our God. He belongs to us. I think about my kids. They belong to me. And that's how I am in God. But, but also, I belong to them. They have access to me all the time. One day they'll have, hope, one day I will not give them access to my bank account. I don't look forward to that day. Maybe that's not a good illustration because I think we do have access to God's bank account. <laughs> uh, but they're fallen. Okay. <laughs> Residing hope. So we always have this residing hope. And let me just say this, that once Jesus came, once he said, I am Emmanuel, I am with you, once he said that, that never changed. Just because he sent it, I've heard people say, oh, you know, if, it, if I could live at any time, I'd just like to live during the days of Jesus and walk and see Jesus. Jesus said, no, 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 it's better that I'm going away so I can live inside of you. So rather than having Jesus with you, Jesus is up inside of you. Jesus is in you. You are his dwelling. Isn't that a great reality? You better watch out. Okay. All right, number two. The second thing that we can expect is sustaining peace. How I many you know that you don't ever need peace if there's no frustration, if there's no opportunities for chaos? You wouldn't need peace. Know that we would have a sustaining peace of, of the comfort of what's going on on the inside, regardless of what is going on on the outside. Let me just say this about peace, because we this is a buzzword right now. Everybody talking about justice and peace, and we just want peace. Peace is not the absence of tension. Peace is making wrong things right. That's what peace is. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Because you can't keep peace. Peace has to be made. That's why Jesus came. He came to make peace between you and God. Because there was no peace before. You were enemies with God. If, if you're in this house today and you, your life is not surrendered to Jesus, you're an enemy of God. I didn't say it. He said it. And I'm just echoing it. That you're an enemy of God. But Jesus said, I'm going to make the wrong thing right. This is peace. Isaiah 9, 6. I love this. For a child is born to us. How many know that Jesus wasn't just born to Mary and Joseph? He was born to the world. He was born to us, for us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Now, is that saying that the government of the United States will rest on his shoulders? It means the government of his reign. The rulership of his kingdom will not be upon you, and it won't be upon me, and it won't be upon any other political system. It'll be upon Jesus, the greater kingdom, the greater government, the unending government. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7 says, his government and its peace will never end. Woo! That's good news. All right, number three. Because I'm a preacher, I've got to have three points. Resi <laughs> residing hope, 
sustaining peace. Number three, everlasting connection. That you would have an everlasting connection with your heavenly Father because of what Jesus has done. We could say, Emmanuel, God with us, or we can say it like this, Emmanuel, he is here. And he's not leaving. And he's not checking out. Because you didn't read your Bible today. You checked out, but he didn't. He's still there. He's still waiting for the appointment that you set. So today, because of these great and precious promises we have, I believe that Jesus wants to find a home in your heart. Some of you, possibly, you need to make him more at home in your heart. Maybe Jesus is there. Maybe he is in your life. But you need to make him more at home. In fact, you need to make him the ruler of the household. Isn't it good when all the pressure's on him? Mm, that'll preach. Because we take the pressure, don't we? There's this song. I, 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 when it comes to Christmas, like, I, I get real nostalgic, like, I like tradition. And it's really weird because that's not my personality at all, but... But around Christmas time, I just get like this really like old school thing. It's kind of weird. And I haven't always been that way, but it seems like the last 10 years this has happened to me. And, and so when I listen to Christmas music, I don't really like modern Christian music. I like jazz or something kind of true, you know, something kind of smooth. And uh, something that has that kind of eeriness to it, if you will, like a warmth, almost a loneliness, but it's not lonely. If you guys know what I'm saying, it's just kind of the feeling of Christmas, this cold kind of, but warm. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but for me, that's what it is. And so I like this music that kind of resounds in me, the seasons of my life when I was a child and, and now. And, and so a number of years ago, I picked up a, a, a Ray Charles record and, uh, and he has this song. You guys know what Ray Charles, right? And it says, and he has this song called Christmas Time. And, you know, we always say it's not, about, it's, not, it's not about receiving, it's about giving. It's better to give than receive. And I love this line in this song. He says, Christmas time is all about receiving the gift that God has sent from up above. If I could sing like Ray Charles, it would be awesome. But he says, Christmas is all about receiving. It's about receiving what Jesus has done. 